You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's up, y'all? This is Doc Coyle. This is the X-Man Podcast, and I'm ready to kick it. I'm up here in Tilburg, Netherlands, Holland. Never knew whether to call it Netherlands or the Holland. The the Netherlands, the Holland, I don't know, man. I got nothing for you guys. Just got done doing about 10 days in the UK, and uh, the shows went really well. Bad Wolves is opening up for Three Days Grace, and, um, you know, the shows are going well, but we're all starting to reach our breaking point. <laughs> I think somewhat, you know, um, just, you know, we've been gone basically for six months with a few weeks off. And then I even started before that on a press tour. And um, I said it before on here. And I'll say it again. Touring this much kind of makes you go crazy. I think touring for more than like a, a month, you start to, to lose it a little bit. And, um, you know. And I think, you know, coming off a summer tour, you come here and it's it's a little gray, it's a little cold, it's a little rainy, you know, everything, you know, the buses aren't quite as nice, everything's a little slightly less uncomfortable. Me personally, like bad back, bad neck, knee, you know, it's starting to certainly, I think it started to get to me. Um, part of the reason why I haven't put a show out, because I don't like to... I don't know. I don't like to do these things if I'm just in a bad mood or I'm down or you guys don't want to hear that shit. You didn't come here. God, I'm sad. You know, when theoretically, you know, I am in a very lucky position, but there are downsides to this, this life, especially when you go this hard. You know, I, I know when uh, I toured Metallica, you know, let me pick that name up, just dropped. Uh, when I toured with Metallica, they would tour two weeks on, two weeks off. You know, and they have that luxury because they kind of get it or they just get it that doing this stuff straightforward um, this hard is, you know, there is a sacrifice kind of of your your sanity, of your relationships, of you know, your physical and mental health. You know, just being tight around each other, you know, it creates a, a tension. So I think I'm, I'm in the middle of that. And we still have what two weeks left on this tour and then another six weeks to finish the year. So, um, you know, we might be kind of limping towards the finish line, but there is one word to describe the motivation. Survive. 
just survive. But um, but yeah, so we got a couple couple more weeks left, and um, yeah, it's been we picked up another plaque. You know, our singles diamond in Europe, which is um, that's pretty crazy. But diamond, it does diamond in America means you sold ten million. I guess diamond for Europe is two hundred fifty thousand. So I guess they they work backwards. So if we sell a million, we'll be like aluminum in in Europe. So we'll see how that works. And um, yeah, the went, went gold in Sweden, went gold in Australia, and oh, get this. And I'm sure you've if you follow me on social media, you've seen this. We confirmed a three day tour in Australia with Nickelback, <laughs> which is even which is just that's just funny just to say because. Excuse me while, while I sip my my coffee. I it's it's just that's the type of band. I mean, they're basically the the one band it's okay for everyone to shit on on the internet. And um me, I, I remember I wrote an article a few one of the first articles I wrote for um Metal Sucks and I, I talked about mainstream metal and mainstream rock and and you know how people kind of use their you know they they're they they it, the elitism within our community disallows people from just enjoying bands or doing music just just for what it is and not really having these ulterior expectations and the the tagline that I did at the end of the article was um you know don't t- turn off nickelback turn it up you know <laughs> and i've definitely enjoyed my fair share of nickelback songs on uh, in in the past few years, in fact, before the last show, we were we were jamming some Nickelback, getting amped up for this tour. So, you know, so just association with with the most hated band, um, I think is amazing because they wouldn't be hated if they weren't loved by so many people. But the problem is that that the the giant crowd that shows up to the shows and buys the record that's kind of the silent majority, um, and it's uh it's just interesting, and I'm I'm. I'm really excited just because that's just a crazy story. Not not many, especially coming from where I come from, we'll have opportunities like that. So, you know, now all we have to do is tour with Limp Bizkit and Creed, and we will um, have done the holy trinity of bands people love to hate on. So that will be, I hope we do it too. I am so down, so ready um, because, you know, them motherfuckers have houses and, um, you know, expense accounts and things. I want, you know, one of those. Not that's about the money, guys. It's actually not, uh, believe it or not. But you know, can't pay my bills with compliments. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. You know, I was thinking about maybe possibly talking about what's going on in the in the U.S. political system at the current time. You know, the uh, the whole. Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. I know some of you guys probably aren't politically minded, but I I talk about stuff from time to time. And um, that particular story I found depressing. There was, you know, I got into politics, I think, because, I don't know, maybe probably probably because my father, because he was so always talking about things and into history and and giving his his point of view. So I I suppose that's how how I picked it up. But you know, I remember being very, very engaged and caught up in things, but I also was entertained by politics, by the kind of dog and pony show. And um, there was nothing fun about this this story. 
and uh, and what what was going on. I feel like everyone lost. Everyone's more divided. And um, and it makes it difficult to talk about because like so many issues that uh, press on identity and the culture war, when people talk about it who have a vested interest, um, they are filled with so much passion and rage. Um, and so things like, so something like this, you know, I think in, in many ways, the, the Kavanaugh hearings was almost like a mini 2016 election that when, d- depending on which way it went, people who were investing in this outcome took it as a personal uh, victory or personal defeat. And that's why people, you know, it's, it's you, know, you see people marching and getting in the faces of senators or or people like that and I don't know if that's the best methodology um but I think about when when you kind of understand that people feel like they're they're having defeats of of this magnitude and they feel like it's an attack against everything that who who, who they are um I think things like this are going to keep happening in the end I think the fact that you know if you look at Trump you look at Bush they got less votes won the presidency. You look at the fact that certain states, you know, have very low populations, have the same amount of senators as other, as big states like California, things like that. Um, I think when you look at that through gerrymandering and all these different things, um, essentially Democrats have to get vastly more votes just to break even. Um, When you have things like that kind of keep happening on all these different levels, this is what happens is people get angry, they take to the streets and it might not be logical and it might not even be good strategically, but this is what happens. And I think people on the other side say, well, you know, I was, I was ready to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for, for them to kind of appeal to my better senses, you know, because I would definitely move over if they were sensible, but that's not, that's not how this works. You know, when people feel disenfranchised, when they feel like the people that are ascending into power are personally against them, it's go- going to get ugly. It is getting ugly. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I do think it, it will, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Um, and it's sad. And I think, you know, I, I haven't really been chiming in. Usually the Twitter, that's where I'll, I'll talk about stuff like that, because I don't want to have the fucking arguments you know, because people are invested in their in their own way. And especially, I think, a very odd element of men versus women. I think this is such strange territory. Um, but we definitely saw, you know, um, after those that testimony, the, uh, the, the backlash against the Me Too movement and this um, ability to kind of accuse people of the idea of believing women. Um, I think this is, this is tough subject matter, and in a sense, maybe not. I'm afraid to get into the fray, but I don't have simple answers. I don't have, um, you know, great wisdom, you know. Uh, so anyway, I just kind of wanted to to talk about that because it's it kind of sucks right now to be involved in all this stuff, and um, now we have the midterms coming up, and it's gonna get even uglier. So you know, I would I would as I always suggest uh, listen to your compatriots. You know, be caring. 
Remember, just because you disagree with someone politically doesn't mean they're a bad person. They just uh, they come from a different. They got a different vibe. They just come from a different vibe. They're, you know, I don't know. People don't want to hear that. They want to. They want to kill everybody. I don't know. It's rough. Anyway, can't tell if that went off the rails or not. Uh, I'm not going to. I don't have a sponsor this week. Uh, I actually had a sponsor, but he's like waiting for another show. So I'm, they're, you know, they're waiting the wings. If you want to sponsor the show, you have a band. Want to rock some music on the X Man? Hit me up social media or send me an email to the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. And uh, that all BS out of the way. Just want to talk real quick about our guest, Mr. Mike Mowry. If you do not know him, he is the man behind Jabberjaw Media, the podcast network that I'm with. But he is also a manager. He runs Outer Loop Management. Uh, they also have a record label. I played with his old band, uh, Good Clean Fun, back in the 90s. <laughs> And uh, so we go, we go way back. And he's also a, a fellow podcaster. He has, he had one called um, "O Marks the Spot" about the management company. And now he has one with Blasco from Ozzy Osbourne called "Managemental." And you know, me and him are very close. And he's been, you know, been a close friend and a, and a Doc Coyle ally in 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 recent years. And I've I've really enjoyed getting getting close to him and I was you know we've always been meaning to get him get him on the show and I think this was a really cool conversation because you know we talk a little industry but then we get we get personal and I think and hopefully you guys are are cool with the idea of having podcasts with different tenors so I'm really glad that he came on here and, I, and I'm trying I purposely be honest I, I kind of hate having too many band people in a row I want to get different people from different parts of the industry on here to keep it fresh. So hope you guys enjoy this. Check out my conversation with my good friend, Mike Mowry. Chicken, 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 boom. In the house with Mike Mow- Mike Mowry. Drop it like it's hot, Doc Coyle. Did, did, did I ever call you that, Mike Mowry? I don't know. I mean, I've heard it many a times in my life. It gets uh, f- fewer and further between as uh, the distance between me and the bad boys. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? It is from bad boys, right? Fuck yeah. All right. You know, I got to know my own shit. And if you don't know that, then... Maybe I shouldn't know that. I am I am judging you. Not well, you it was going to be colors. I didn't know if... Because for some reason, those... I got one of those minds that mixes similar it's, things it's, up. We call them African Americans now. It's not, <laughs> not colors. See what you did there. Yeah, I know the. He's talking about an '80s film starring uh, Sean Penn, right? That detailed the uh, gang crime situation in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's a good movie. Crips and Bloods, baby. I might have to go rewatch that now that I'm out here in your fair city for a bit. Ice T, shout out to Ice T. Yeah, what's up? Did the theme pop song? off? Did you hear? Did you ever hear the Machine Head cover of Colors? I don't think I did. It's pretty dope. I did see an amazing uh, tweet from Dez. Uh, that's the wrong band. That's Devil Driver, bro. Yeah, different. See, band. I'm mixing them up. I'm saying. See, the thing is, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have seen that tweet. Somebody sent me that tweet. Yeah. No, no. I'm saying like I'd like to see that tweet, but I can't see it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's because. <laughs> oh man, it's real out here, baby. It's good, but dog. I love. But, but I love everybody. You know what I'm saying? I love. I love you, Dez. I hope he knows that. Um, anyway. So you're out here filming a, a documentary called Mike Mowry Does Los Angeles. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure? What, yeah. So you're, you're in sunny LA. Yeah, man. What for? What's going on, man? What's the, biz, uh, what's the business? Well, when's this going to air? Does it matter? Soon, because okay. I, I literally have no episodes in the hole, which 
or in the bag or whatever you want to fuck the hole of a bag whatever. that's what happens there's a hole in the bag and yeah. they keep falling out I had some fucking episodes and they all fell apart but no no i um i've basically been home for the last couple weeks i've been so damn busy and almost just shot like i'm just this is like i said this is not doc close to shot coil <laughs> Uh, which is why i've gotten the invite no (laughs) listen you are you are like you know an ace in in the hole we're going back to the hole now uh because a i prefer to do these in person yeah and we could have done a skype one a million times if we wanted to but i prefer to do them in person so it's you know the you know people don't i don't think a lot of people realize the hardest part about doing a podcast and having a podcast is the scheduling of course and the editing and all the behind the, it's you know this part where we actually get to sit down and talk is the fun part and by far which i'm happy that i don't have to do any of the editing and the scheduling <laughs> was pretty simple today yeah well that's how well. it's a take it take advantage of of convenience but uh but yeah so we'll this will air very soon cool so in that case i'll hype up i'm out here uh for a number of things one i just kind of needed a break from the east coast uh, I drove out, drove across the country. I hadn't done that in a really long time. How many time. miles you got in your car? You know, on this trip or just in general? Total. I was on 80,000. Okay. So, yeah, okay. So, not bad. I mean, it was nice. And um, so I've driven across the country, I, you know, I don't know how many times, but I used to tour, you know, played in a band, a tour managed band, drove a lot. And driving a 15 passenger van versus driving, you know, a relatively nice car. Uh, that handles well through the Flying. mountains and back roads. What did you get in here, two days? Uh, no, I took my time, but I think I sent you one of my videos that I started making, uh, or at least I sent you a picture when the Bad Wolves track with, uh, is it Diamante, is that? Yeah, hear me what? now. Hear me now. So I was listening to a lot of Octane because I was taking the back roads. I was out in the mountains of Colorado and Utah, like beautiful places, um, late August, early September. And... I started making these videos when I would hear tracks from people that I knew or like the A&R guys that had their bands on like Octane because when you're in those sticks, satellite you can get, but you couldn't even get a cell signal. Yeah. But I would make videos. I thought I sent you one, it doesn't matter. You probably, Maybe, you probably did. Anyways, uh, the bottom line is driving fast on those roads, one-handed, the other hand, you know, holding the video to the soundtrack, just really responsible. You should really be focusing on, okay. on the road. I didn't do any of that. Don't text and it, drive. It's all just a, yeah. I mean, I do Pu- it. PSA, public service Listen, announcement from Doc Quay. I do it, but that's because I'm I'm like very skilled. I would agree. And, and, I feel like I'm very skilled And as when well. you put the word like very skilled, then people know you're for real. Um, I'm an excellent driver. Excellent driver. All right, I believe you. Got I believe that, you. you know that movie? Rain Man. Rain Man. Wow, it's been a while. It has been. Yeah. Well, I was going to say License to Drive or something like that. Be a good one, too. You know, there's a... Or actually, what was that one? Wasn't there a movie with Mark Harmon where Ooh. it was like driving school yeah, after, you know, because sure. they all lost their licenses? This is like some 80s. Dude, this, is a, this is a deep cut. Well, see, what I like about this is it's it helps the segue. I'm going to get distracted and, and we can go on so many tangents, but the part of, other than just coming out, experiencing LA, uh, you know, for a longer period of time, Ice Nine Kills, which is one of the bands I manage, has a record coming out October 5th. And so that's gonna be, by the time this airs, it'll be about a week out. Record label's here, the attorney's here, the agent's here, the singer's here. Figured it would be all right for me to be here, smart for me to be here, as we kind of really ramp up for this release, so. Right on, yeah, I, um, if you want, I can play a song. Yeah, that'd be great. I can, I can play a song, you know, pump pump that up. Not that, yeah. not that they need my help. 
look <laughs> all the help we can get i mean it's been a refreshing thing i mean it for me it feels really good i mean this is an artist that i've been working with for six years and i started my record label outer loop because no one would sign the band yeah and you know i did an imprint of it was at, with fearless at the time and then through that they got upstream to fearless and here we are we're having great success on octane at the moment we'll see how that continues and take it to to radio and it's just you know it, it really at at this point i'm starting to look to appreciate the things that are happening that are good as opposed to you know sometimes you let your mind wander and tell you the things that aren't so good yeah so what's well, the 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 nature of hu humans in general is to focus on what you do have or what you don't have i'm sorry because that's how we respond we respond to oh i have this so now i don't need that i'm not worried about that that's in that's like money in the bank and you just focus on the lack you know yeah i don't you know i don't i'm not well educated enough or smart enough to know if that's exactly how all humans do it i will say that is surely how i have done things for a long time and it's a motivator in some senses uh that said i'm, I'm trying to use the you know again i'm still very motivated um you know and then of course as i was just relaying the story to you there's just tons of people out here yeah and as i continue to try to grow things and grow the podcast network it's a huge priority for me um, so let's actually let's before we get into that, yeah, I, you know, I'm probably talk a fair amount about uh, your background and, and what you do sure. on the pre-roll. But um, I, I guess in your own words, what would you say what, what all your business is and kind of titles? Uh, what is it entail? that I'd say that I do here? Is it yeah. Friday? Am I getting fired? Um, no, I, I know. Um, so at this stage in my career, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've been managing artists for decade and a half I started with darkest hour in 2004 2005 they got on the Ozfest, and mike dear friend of both of ours asked me to manage the band and i've been doing it ever since you know that said i think for me my drive really does stem you know i'm a diy punk hardcore kid at heart uh though i am far removed from that scene um it will always have a special place in my heart but what that scene sort of instilled in me or reinforced in me is my desire to help people and I really enjoy helping artists, helping creatives, because I, even though I have tapped into that in my own right, is not I'm not a music maker. Uh, I mean, Blasco and I have the podcast, but I don't necessarily consider it "quote unquote" creative. I consider it an extension of kind of like you know the business acumen, or, mm -hmm. or you know. Can you can you give people um, sure? A Tell them what that podcast is. Yeah, so Blasco, uh, legendary bass player, you know, currently with Ozzy Osbourne um, and a great manager in the biz. We do a podcast called Managemental. Uh, it's two managers dissecting uh, previously written articles that Blasco identifies, and we go through them and discuss them with a you know tailored more towards the kind of hard rock metal audience, but really developing artists as a whole is, is our, is our audience. But you know, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from other industry professionals. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that podcast. And especially for someone like myself who was working with my other band, Vegas nerve and trying to, I think it's this thing where you constantly have to be educating yourself because things just keep changing. What was relevant six months ago is obsolete today and you know just hearing that different perspective on you know and you guys get into the details of everything you'll have a an episode and they're short they're like a half hour uh in and out so like all right we'll talk about merchandise and then we'll talk about maybe your band doing a cover song we'll talk about publishing and we'll talk you know and you guys really cover all the nitty-gritty um 
and I think I think the show is great. Thanks. I mean, it's a lot of fun. I'm honored to do it with Blasco. It stemmed out of a natural thing where he and I had become friends three or four years ago and just would catch up once a week. Other people at my company at the time, we'd sort of have these group calls talking about what's going on in the industry. And he's a huge fan of podcasts. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. We both wanted to start one and we sort of just said, screw it. Um, and yeah, and it's turned out really well. And for me, it's just, it's fun. I mean, I, not to say I don't ever prepare, but this is what I do all day, every day. Yeah. And so. Do you read the article beforehand? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I skim it. I sort of like going in blind a little bit because I don't want to prepare my answers. Blasco is really the detail oriented one. And in fact, he had was yeah, He's kind of the MC. He is. He, you know. Or the he's, host, I guess. He's the host. I'm the co-host. Yeah. Previously from the other coast, who knows where I am now. Do you, do you still do your other podcast? The, I uh, don't. Oh, oh, Mark's a spot. I don't. Um, I loved the idea of it, but it, it fell by the wayside. I mean, so I have a number of podcasts that I listen to more in kind of the entrepreneurial space. There's one called um, Inc. Uncensored. So the, the magazine INC period, which mm -hmm. is business focused. Um, they do one and it's, it's like a little bit of a round table at the end of each week they go through and there's people that discuss the articles that were in the print mag and kind of the basis and the backstory behind it and what we were trying to do. I mean, I have this vision of trying to be absolutely transparent with things. Mm -hmm. Challenge is it's not all up to me, meaning I manage bands. I don't want to go and talk about whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, well, you whatever can't. i mean you i can i can do whatever the fuck i want i mean can right? you i mean talk i, I mean, choose not to yeah i'll I put mean, it that way but i but, but I, I would love to have a show where i could be and that was the aim i was trying to give insight and Vasco and i do it a little bit it's interesting on the um you know on the managemental one uh blasco was out for two weeks so i did uh an episode with emily white we just launched her podcast interning 101 um, and so we covered an article on it. Who's Emily White? So Emily is, uh, I, I love my story about Emily because she is a badass manager, entrepreneur, just workhorse. And there was a conference, a music conference in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, four or five years ago. You know that um, summer fest that happens there every year? All right, don't worry about it. It's a huge. I think you mean it, the Milwaukee Metal Fest. Exactly. I knew you were going there. That is not it. I, so I Summerfest so. is <laughs> Summerfest is like the United States' biggest festival, but it's sort of like you'd put a little asterisk by it because it go. I think it lasts like two weeks. By the way, it, I think there's a million Summerfests. Like every town. No, has but a this, summer is summer fest, this is Summerfest. Right? This is the. This is Summerfest. Okay. Nevertheless, the guy that ran it, this guy David Silbaugh, great guy. Him and his partners, they had people mostly like Midwest, kind of Wisconsin-based, you know, music professionals. Um, and I got invited because my buddy Jeremy Weiss, who runs the Launch Music Conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, he got invited to go, and I tagged along with him. Anyways, I sat down at a panel, and normally, you know, I'm a little not. I have to be careful with how I say it. I joke to say I'm full of myself, but maybe I don't joke. I've often sat on panels at a lot of these smaller conferences and, you know, I go in with the intention of what is our topic and really I'm good at moderating and make sh making sure that we stay on the topic and cover what we're supposed to, right? So I usually kind of take over, if you will. 
I sat down and this woman opened her mouth and just went off on these facts that like, I was like, holy shit, she is like 10 times better than me. I better keep my mouth shut, let her run this thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just so impressed. So I approached her afterwards, you know, whatever. She turns out she's a manager based in New York. She used to work with the Dresden Dolls, a couple other bands. But since then, much like my career has continued to morph and change and expand, she's gotten into, she manages athletes. Uh, she has a crowdfunding platform for um, amateur athletes. You know, like if you go to the Olympics, you can't actually have, you know, professional sponsorships, you can't be paid. So it's sort of like a crowdfund type of thing where your family, your friends, whoever can donate money to play for your airfare and all that stuff. Nevertheless, Emily White, she has her own firm and she wrote a book called Interning 101. And as a guy who's run a company for 15 years and have had tons of interns, the minute I read it, I was like, wow, we do a lot right and we do a lot that could be much, much better. I don't wanna say it's wrong. She just has such, she, she laid it out in such a great way that if you are running a company that has interns or if you're somebody that's interning, it's just a fantastic read. It's it's super easy. You know, you can find it on Amazon. But I approached her because I thought she'd be a great host for a podcast, and I thought it could be, you know, content that is would the be podcast fantastic. just about interning or is about all facets of management and that's it, the end of the business. Well, it depends on who she's interviewing. So it, the premise is based on interning. So she interviewed Kevin Lyman, ran the Warp Tour. Uh, Kevin Lyman Agency now, professor at USC. Obviously, they've had a ton of interns come through there. So in that conversation, it's it, it starts about the interning experience, but it expands into all of the things that Kevin has done. She, off, she also brings on interns who have gone on. One of her partners at her management company, I think two of them actually started as her interns at a former company. So just such cool stories. So anyways, Blasco was out. I was left to, to host it and I found an article, you know, how to get a music business internship or something and we discussed it. And then um, I don't know exactly why we got to this point, but Biggie, manager of, you know, Biggie from Good Fight, dear friend, we... Uh, covered one. I, I know where we're going. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, my, my little brain is, is spinning in the back. I know where we're going to get to. Bear with me. Listen, Doc, listen, these, these, I didn't start this tangent, but you know what? I'm going with it. Doc Coyle's giving me that look like, bro, you better bring this shit back around. Wrap it up, B. He, he, he's looking at me like I'm the singer that got, you know, the guitar player that stepped up to the mic and's like, uh, somebody turned him off. Anyways, Biggie came on. Biggie manages bands such as Every Time I Die. He mentioned Every Time I Die by name in the recent podcast we did with him that said they still pride themselves on sleeping in $50 a night hotel rooms. Metal sucks and other websites ran with it. But the point was going back to Omar's the spot, Blasco and you know, I, I want to give that kind of transparency, but you said you can't, right? Well, what, what I'm saying is that I think in any business where you're dealing with other people's inner workings and dirt. Right. You know, you're you basically have access to privileged Correct. Inf- information all- that, that can be used against whom, whomever. Uh, and so when I say you can't, it's like this, you know, what we're doing right now is having a, we're in a public f- format, but I owe it to you, right, as the guest to if you afterward, you're like, hey, I, I mentioned blah, blah, blah. If you could cut that out. Right. It's very important for me to have the trust of everyone yeah. that's on this show because there are certain things. It's like you know, it's like especially when you're dealing with. Think about in a journalistic standpoint. Yep. 
on the record, off the record. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's that stuff. So I'm, I have those same instincts as, as you. And I, I talked about it on my show about one of the best things when I left, God forbid, was now I didn't have to be beholden to kind of holding up this image because this idea, I think, when especially when you're in a in a band that has some notoriety, is projecting success and projecting whatever uh, image that you, that you want to put out there. And then once that's once that's over, you can kind of, oh, I can talk about what wasn't working, and I can talk about, you yeah. Know, and so, and I have those same instincts. But now that I'm in another band, that's things are taking off. I can't sit here and and give you know air the dirty laundry it's not it's not fair to the other people and and i think so it was interesting because blasco hit me up when the metal sucks article was written and said you know hey did you see this and i hadn't seen it yet and i sent it to biggie and biggie was like hell yeah let's run with it you know he was excited about it because we were getting you know coverage on it which is awesome but blasco and i were talking about that's why if you do listen to managemental which i encourage all of you to do we say things like i have a client you know we don't name them specifically because yeah. for the reason you're saying we don't have assigned attorney client privilege that said there's an understanding in the professional realm that you and i exist in yeah. so yeah it can be quite challenging from time to time because you do you kind of do want to in your case i'm sure there's times you kind of want to talk about the inner workings because it's therapeutic not because you want to expose people yeah um should we even talk about how you got in this whole thing, or is there enough out there? You think? I think there's enough out there. You're, you're out in the blo- in the in the pod sphere. I think I've done every podcast on the network <laughs> at this point, almost, um, which I enjoy doing. I mean, look, I, I fell in love, you know, just with the format because of this. It allows you to be honest and a little bit vulnerable, and and I think, you know, oddly enough, it, you know, as a man that's approaching mid forties, like. It, it feels strange to now finally be interested in being open and vulnerable, but I think we're seeing that shift in society as a whole. I don't yeah. know if you're noticing that. Um, well, I think it's kind of fascinating because now these things, for example, something like YouTube was considered to be this uh, fringe niche right. nerd, whatever, millennial um, kind of thing over in the corner. And podcasts i think were seen as this place where comedians talk shit or whatever it was just the thing it was and now you can see every year it gets a little more mainstream it gets a little more you know attention and and you know i i don't know the overall numbers i mean you're probably more uh attuned with the the actual how how the entire uh industry is growing but it seems like it's growing it absolutely is and that's what's exciting to me and i think you know what i love about what I bring to the table and my team brings to the table is, you know, especially as trying at this point, trying to be a music based podcast network that may change as we expand, but it's like the podcast space has taught me so much about the music industry and how to approach things. And my experience in the music industry has taught me so much what I think I can bring to the podcast space. So how did you get the idea or where did the idea come from to start Jabberjaw? So really, I mean, it was Matt Carter from Bad Christian and Break It Down, uh, Tom Mullen from Washed Up Emo, and Ray Harkins from 100 Words or Less. The three of them, they had their shows that already existed. And I was asked to do, I don't remember, you know, like three or four different podcasts right within the same like two month period. And that's, I mean, the timing is just so whatever, interesting, because that's right when like serial 
was breaking big the first season of serial which is really the podcast that's credited for you know uh, you know kind of it's the first kind of crossover yeah podcast which hit. which of course you know, went in line with the Apple Podcast app launching on the phone. And um, you could even say Serial, in a sense, uh, influenced like the Netflix making the murderer, yeah. that that yeah. kind of genre of, of By the way, I just well. heard about a show, I think it's a TV show, that's a, like a a mockument, like a spoof on those types of shows. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's ripe for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. lampooning. Um, but, so those three guys and you know a couple other players they they wanted to come together in a sense of just supporting one another because they already had shows that existed and what i wanted to do i mean i i more or less said look i'm fascinated by the the format right and you guys you know matt carter's i mean he's a very uh driven and intelligent and successful guy uh you know but he it, I call him the band member, Emery, you know, Ray Harkins, moron. I mean, he was at not moron, more on the side of, he was thinking he was at PETA two at the time. He actually could He was our A&R guy at Central Media for a, Exactly. A, so, a you know, a little bit of a different scene player. Basically, I was like, look guys, I go around places like New York, Nashville, LA, all the time advocating for my bands. I'm in the conversations with other managers, other attorneys, record labels, you name it. Like these are the people that we're going to be targeting for guests, advertisers, what have you. We've already got the relationships. The doors are easy to open. Um, it, you know, it. I think we all had a different vision of how it would come together and how it would immediately become successful. And it, you know, it's looked very different than that. Mm -hmm. That said, I'm really excited about where the space is going because, you know, three years ago at South by Southwest, when we started the, I guess it was two and a half years ago, you know, I said, man, we started a podcast network. And literally all everybody there looked at me like I'd grown a second head. <laughs> and then the next year they were having, you know, po live podcasts. I mean, that was only in a year's time. So yeah, that's where the start really came from for me. And, you know, the, it's interesting because when you ask about my businesses, which really, you know, it's the management company, the record label, which was started to help the smaller artists who might not need management as much as they need somebody to help market their content. Yeah. The coaching platform, which is really designed for that tier below that, that isn't even ready for that point by and large. And then the podcast network, it all stems from a, like I've said, you know, I want to help artists, content creators, you name it, and want to be able to provide a vehicle that helps them flourish. That's really where Mike Mowry wants to be. Do you have any thoughts on the state of the industry? Because that's something that I feel like, you know, I had Eric German, uh, mm -hmm. lawyer, uh, Badwell's lawyer on the show. I love Eric. And our whole conversation almost became a conversation about the state of the union of the of the affairs of what's what's going on and because, since you're now especially involved on the the labels yeah. side of it um have things kind of come around the other side as far as streaming and and all that it, you know is it um i think it's still it's a work in progress um and i think the challenge is i mean one of the things and and i'm you know i think I, I could classify myself as an entrepreneur, but I think the challenge is, you know, and I'm sure you go through this. It's like you almost 
are the, you know, the imposter syndrome. You're almost like, I'm not an entrepreneur, you know, like, I, but I am, you know, I do a lot of things. That said, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I wasn't trained in school. I didn't go to business school. It's more, I've just chosen. I mean, we come from that same DIY world. We're like, you want to start a podcast network? Let's start a podcast network. Yeah. So one of the most interesting things I've learned in, in talking to entrepreneurs is, is the question of if you were to build it today, how would it look versus, you know, trying to fix something that already exists. And I think that's the most interesting thing about the music business is, I mean, it's been a 20 year, I mean, Napster was 90, what, late 90s. Yeah, like 98, 99, somewhere around there. So is that, yeah, that's almost 20 years. In, you mean in the kind of in post, terms post of, digital uh, yeah. doubt, like where we like, oh, this is the peak of, because I think the peak of record sales was 2001 or 2002, and then it, it became yeah. a steady decline. And and so what's so, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, I've always got to look at that stuff and don't have any of it in front of me, but like, I think this is the classic case of everybody wanted to hold on to something that, yeah, I mean, was for the for the top percentage absolutely you want to hold on to record sales you know to me i think what's the biggest challenge and in some ways it's an advantage because i'm still just a little punk you know i I still i'm in the trenches with everybody else when you say punk you mean the your uh my philosophy is still in that mindset of yeah i mean i haven't made my millions i haven't you know move to a different island or any island for that matter i haven't disassociated myself from you know is that the goal though no probably not i don't know you don't know i mean the goal for me is sustainability in doing things i love which at present involves being able to tap into my own creativity and my own passions as well as supporting others. Like I'll give that. an example. Mm-hmm. You you tell me you're you're traveling cross country yeah. and you're listening to Octane. Yeah. I don't know if ten years ago you would have been listening to Octane. No, that's correct. Right? Well so so does so well, I don't know. Um but clearly it's almost is that more of a almost market research kind yeah. of understanding. A little bit. I mean, this yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I like those songs. I mean, it, it's so hard, I can't even and that's an interesting question. I just don't know the answer to that of, of, I mean, I'm listening to it for market research, but I like some of the tracks on there for sure. Yeah. I also go in between liquid metal and alt nation and the 90 station and Tom Petty and whatever yeah. else Sirius seems to have. Um, but the overall point that I'm trying to make is, you know, I think where we're going in terms of the business is a fucking fantastic place, right? Like, holy cow, I can, I mean, I don't know anybody who's mad about pulling up their phone and being able to find whatever song within reason, right? The seven seconds, the crew album isn't on Spotify, uh, which is what I would like to go listen to from time to time. But if I wanna listen to Bad Wolves, right? My 9.99 a month gets me your entire album. Or it, it gets you the album for free too, even if you don't pay it, you know, you just have to stream it with like commercials or 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 whatever. Right. But, but to me, that's amazing. Like why fight that other than the idea that because you've created art, you should be paid for it, whatever. I guess to me, I see it and I, and I haven't studied the numbers, you know, recently. Um, but I do believe that it's going to, 
It's like we're fumbling through it. This is the hard time. This is the rough time in this business where, yeah, you've got this company or companies that are trying to figure out streaming. They don't know exactly how to compensate the artists. So since you have a label mm -hmm. and you're, how many artists do you have? About other, 10. 10 artists. So do you go to Spotify and negotiate a rate or is there just a no. flat thing that they basically charge everyone? So we go through a distributor. And they have their own rate negotiated. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, but that's, but if you were Sony mm -hmm. or something, you could go to Spotify and like, Hey, listen, this is, you know, we don't like this deal or what, or whatever. I don't think it's fluid in that sense. Right. This second, I do think when those deals were but cut, is it the labels or the distributors that mainly, my understanding is the ba the majors, which oftentimes are intertwined, right? Yeah, there was the, like three or four left. I don't even mm -hmm. know that negotiated their rates with Spotify and that will change. Those deals will run out. I mean, the beautiful thing to me is there's something else coming. And I don't know if it's Facebook music. I don't know if it's Amazon coming over. I don't know if it's somebody we've never heard of. Well, apparently, apparently Apple is growing faster. Right, than but I'm talking Spotify. about, I'm talking about, there's probably something that none of us know about, right? You know, they're sitting in the lab. They're out there at uh, area 51, you know, wherever. There's a secret thing being built in a secret place, or maybe it's not even secret, it's just that we don't know about it because, I mean, just as Friendster got usurped by MySpace, which got usurped by Facebook, which is being... But there, but there is, I, I'd say, as those platforms advanced, mm -hmm. each one lasted longer and got bigger and kind of created a, a bigger set of bedrock. You know, you look at something like Microsoft, for example, mm -hmm. Yeah, they were eventually eclipsed by Apple, but they're still there. They're still right. Microsoft. So I, I, I can't, I, I think we have to kind of, to me, the only difference is, is, for example, you know, there's a sound quality difference between a CD sure. and a stream. So to me, if you, if there's a platform that comes around and figures out some compression, like <laughs> I mean, are they, it's higher quality? Yeah. Okay. That was their whole thing. Um, or something for a competitive rate or, but I think right now- It's gonna come down to the money. Well, I think it's money, but it's also people are motivated by convenience. Absolutely. Ease of use. Yep. Um, you know, things that are integrated. And I think this is one of the reasons why Apple does so well is that you have your phone, which connects to your computer, which connects to the cloud. And yeah. it's this, it's this uh, circular interface yeah. that allows ease of use. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was on, I was talking, you know, going back to listening to Octane on satellite radio. So when I'm driving through Colorado in the mountains and my phone call drops because I'm in between cell towers, I could still get the satellite radio. So I was mentioning that to somebody just today and they were talking about how, I think they said Thailand, they got sat phones. Like that's what it is. They never built the cell infrastructure so much because there wasn't the are satellite phones better than cell phones? Well, in terms of the way that they would be better is the satellite sits above you, whereas right. you know you see the cell phone towers, right? So, unless the I don't think I've ever noticed the cell phone. Really? <laughs> I'm sure that they're. Well, uh, this speaks to my obliviousness, not okay. to uh, the you know riding around in that tour bus. You don't see them on the side of the highway. I hear you, man. <laughs> Flying them planes, you know, Doc Coil Jet, Jock Coil Enterprises, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, Coach. <laughs> Coach. I'm the king of coach. That's what they call me in the streets. <laughs> um, what's funny is I didn't notice them. And, it, you know, this is probably 15 years ago when somebody pointed it out. And I was like, how did you see that? And then once you do train yourself, you see them everywhere. But 
the whole idea is, I mean, a satellite is up in space, right? Nothing more or less. I mean, there are things. In fact, Octane, or Sirius, I should say, there are spots in LA that I'm noticing are dead zones because of high buildings, because of things like that, right? But I'm also noticing bad cell service in particular places. The whole I, the whole thing is like, I mean, I went to Guatemala in 2004, went down there for a five-week trip, you know, just, or I think it was 2002 maybe. No one had landlines, right? The, the, the money that it took to build that infrastructure, by the time there was enough people to, to need and That's be able to afford, come and gone. Come and gone. It would have made no sense to try to dig up the entire country of Guatemala and lay cable, right? Uh, or pipe, you know, laying pipe, bro. Uh, so they you. just want. I saw you. I'm not picking that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You can edit that part in or out. Nope. 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 Leaving it. I'm, I'm betraying your trust. You're, you're going right to go now. to Metal Sucks with that one. That's Let's right. go bigger. Let's go That's to Loudwire. Listen, but my, to the state of the industry, it's interesting because I saw Eric German just today and was with uh, another friend and we were talking about the state of the industry and just talking about music and, you know, it's fascinating. I mean, I think there, I think those of us that have been around as long as you and I both have, like we have a genuine love for multiple parts of this, maybe yeah. not all parts, but it's more than just music, right? Yeah. It's more than just the business it's more i mean for me and you know ray harkins 100 words or less podcast asked me this i mean this was three or four years ago now but you know he knows me as a punk hardcore kid he knows my band good clean fun brother we we played with good clean fun back in the day and the the best memory i have of it was byron from the stage We're like hey give it up for big clean fun <laughs> big clean fun <laughs> dude the worst I, I mean i'm gonna throw this out there and if if i get murdered i guess they get murdered but we played in syracuse together at a benefit show and, yeah. it, and it was so poorly attended that our uh the joke was <laughs> are they gonna take the dudes like you know it was a benefit to get this guy like doctor's care or whatever you know yeah. and, and the the shitty joke was did it do so poorly that they were going to take stuff away from him yeah. you know what i mean the, the opposite of a benefit show yeah. yeah a sacrifice um but you know to me it's the people right and you know you've heard me say and other people have said this you know we're in the doc coil business which whatever we're just we just like doc coil yeah Doc Coyle has proven to be a person that adds value to our lives because he's intelligent, he's compassionate, he's driven, you know, he's inspirational. All of these things that we want out of our relationships with people. And so whether you're a musician, you're a podcaster, you're a columnist, you're something that I don't, you know, a ballerina that is coming and I don't even know about, like my drive in all of this, because I work cross genre and it isn't so much the music. I like to have an appreciation of the music, but it's the people. That's really what I dive into and believe in um, for whatever reason. Well, not to, you know, we, we were talking before about that need to be honest and and disclose, you know, you've had some difficult things happen, happen recently. I'm not gonna put your, put your business out there, but you talk about being about the people and in many ways, I don't know if this this makes this business different from any other businesses, but 
for some other people, it can't be about the people, right? Sure. It's, you know, you have to make business decisions sure. and you invest in a band or something and then they go ahead and move to another manager sure. or move to something like that. Um, has that, are you reassessing this mantra or mentality or is it kind of reaffirming? Uh, a little, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I pride myself in, you know, let's go back to Ice Nine Kills, who has this record coming out. I mean, I, I fell in love with the singer. I mean, not in the you know romantic sense. He's just a very creative, genuine, driven person, right? At the time, he also had two of the biggest chips on his shoulder because he knew that he was creative, you know, driven, talented, and it what wasn't working out for him, right? People weren't supporting his band. He was getting negative reviews. And and I don't know why those things were. It didn't matter to me. I tried to, to, to redirect that energy, right? And in some ways I find people who are mirror images of myself or what I want to see in myself. And I've had to come to terms that like, you know, uh, it's gotta be a balance between the people and the business mm -hmm. and you know for better and for worse i mean my first client you know is more or less still one of my best friends and up until very recently was my client and it's because we shook hands and said let's do let's work together and through thick and thin and i think the hard part is you know i empathize with youngsters coming up in any business because you know it's so hard to navigate. You just never know. And you know, shit, man, why wouldn't you think in, in, you know, in many cases with young artists that someone else who's demonstrated success with a large client, why wouldn't they be the person that person or people that you want to latch onto and hope for that same success, right? This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hello everybody, I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band 
or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. I totally get it. You know, what I've seen in my, you know, decade and a half of this business is there's been a lot of like flashes in the pan, both bands, agents, managers, promoters, you name it. I pride myself on the fact that I'm still here. I'm still standing. I still wake up every day and the first thing I say is, how the fuck can I go to work and help the people that have trusted me with their careers? I don't always do the best job. I do the best job I can on any given day. I do pride myself in the long term. You know, yeah. I'm a marathon runner. Well, it's it's funny because um, that's been kind of my response lately because Essentially, what's going on now is, you know, I'll come back home, LA, you'll see people, and a lot of it is congratulations. Congratulations, you know, and it's, and I, I, perhaps I'm not the best at accepting compliments, but my main response is, you know, I'm just happy to still be in the game. And that's really what it's about, because in a lot of ways, I thought, and I've said this on, before, on, on here before, but, you know, I'll kind of reiterate that I kind of expected to do music as an extra thing. You know, just not that I wouldn't make money or that wouldn't be, but it just, it would, I'd find other ways to make a living and just do music as, it'd be one of the things I did. And it's kind of re-entered my life in a really big way where it's become priority number one, even to the detriment of, of this show to a, to a certain degree. But, um, you know, that, that longevity I think is, um, is an interesting thing because you just look around like, okay, I'm still here. And then you see, and you see people along the way who didn't make it and, it's, and it doesn't mean they're not doing great they i'm sure most of the people i know who are not doing music are probably doing better now than if they would have stayed in the industry because it's that tough especially in this in the rock and metal and yeah. hardcore uh world so i don't begrudge that but one of the things that um when i first moved to la i was getting involved with managing and helping out some bands because basically i was just looking to survive you know and, and i thought maybe i had a, had a knack for it and John Berklin and I were working with some bands and we're gonna work with under Blasco. Yeah. And one of, and we had a talk with him and he kind of poured kind of cold <laughs> water on my optimism, you know, and idealism about you know, the what a manager does and what it kind of means to be in the business. And when you say business is capital B business mm-hmm. of you know, basically he's like the main thing you need to focus on is does this band have an audience and can they get an audience? And me and John, we, we come, we're like, well, no, no, it's about, is the band good? We're like, that's the thing we're focusing on. And it's a real hard lesson to kind of, when you, when you hear that, and this is no, I think what he is saying is not, it's not some, uh, negative against his philosophy. It's about, it's, if you if you're into the music hobby, then you can care about music. 
you can you can, yeah. you can prioritize those things, the art and all that first and everything. But if you're in the music business, because if there's no money coming in, you're not. Re- it's not really a business. And and and, and anyway, from a from an actual professional standpoint, yep. and so it it kind of, you know, it struck me out of out of out of out of this this world in which we wished it was, and unfortunately, that's not the industry, you know, and and that's when I first got to LA and my, I guess, education that I've gotten being in bands and trying to help bands out have further kind of illuminated that idea that it is a bit more cutthroat and it's unfortunate because there's, there's so many talented musicians, so many great bands that they don't have that other thing. They don't have the charismatic front person. They don't have, um, you know, maybe that maybe they're not particularly magnetic live or they don't, they're not great at social media or they, you know, they like, that's just the one piece of the puzzle. And you can have, you can be great at social media and be an okay band and do really well. Or you can be an okay band and have a charismatic frontman and do really well. And, and sometimes it's just that it just ha- it has that thing. You can't like, I, I look, you look at a band like, like bringing the horizon when they came out, I didn't think they were good, but you kind of like, Oh, there's so, I don't know what it is. And like, right. you know, like people really like them. And that's this thing. It's just, you can't really describe it. And that's what I've kind of seen with, with bad wolves is just people just like it well, and, I, and we're good, but it's still, there's this X factor. I think the beauty of it to me at this stage in my life, and, and it took me a really long time to get here. And this is like, it's just like, you can't control certain things as much either in your professional journey or in an artist's journey. There's only so much you can control, right? And again, I sort of, you know, I think it's amazing the success you guys have had. You know, it's so curious, like what would have happened had the story not unfolded with that cover and the guest spot in the way that it did, right? No one knows. It might be even bigger if that's possible. I mean, I doubt that. But. Well, sure. No, but I'm just saying like, and that's the coolest thing to me is, you know, I think when you really, you got to be all in, right? That's the thing I'll say about business or bands, right? Music business or bands or anything, you know, if you're all in and Blasco talks about this all the time and I admire it so much, it's like, he's like, this is what I was going to do. There was no other choice. Right. And it's worked for him. There's probably other people that are out there that made that same choice and it didn't work for them. And there's probably plenty of people that were half in, but I just, I think it's just so fascinating. I mean, what I love about where I am at present is like, who knows what the fuck's ahead. I got ideas about what I want to accomplish. I got ideas about what I'm capable of accomplishing. That said, yeah, being in LA, I'm meeting new people all the time. I might fall into something that's just, I never knew it was coming, right? Well, I think you definitely can, and this is one of the things is, it's a cliche to talk shit about LA and, oh, people are fake or yada, yada, yada. A lot of them are. That's, here's here's the thing, man, you know, it, you know, don't step in the shark tank if you only get bit. Like I like it. This is where stuff is happening. And this is where deals are being made. This is where people who have money and resources are. And pe- and people with actual power in the industry. I, mean, I was on the East Coast for 30 years. I was in the New York kind of metal hardcore scene or rock scene meeting people, getting involved. And I did more 
here in a year than I did probably in the previous five years. There's probably a, a version of you, right? Maybe not metal, maybe a different genre that grew up here, right? Moved to Brooklyn, had success in a year, and they're saying the same thing, but they flipped coasts, right? Maybe. I th well, I think there's definitely that element of your backyard they kind of always see you as being not that special. Oh, you're just the guy from yep. over here. Yep. But I definitely got a lot more respect yeah. in, in, I, in, in LA and my, my resume seemed to ring a little bit brighter. But, I, but if you look, I think kind of man for man and, and institution for institution, there's more of the industry relevant to what I was doing. And I yes. think a lot of what we're doing, that's, that's no, absolutely, and I don't want to trivialize the your story and and the. You may the, be right, though. No, I think what I'm just trying to point out is, like, I think there will be a lot. I mean, I've had the opportunity to move to LA any time I wanted over the past 15 years. I chose not to, right? However, where I am in my life is move leading me here, and it's also aligning with my desire to. Big, you know, make a huge impact with my businesses. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's an element of broader ambition. Yeah, just kind of in the air, yeah. where you were looking at a certain level horizon, mm -hmm. and then you come here, and then you hang on people who are like, right. well, no, I'm trying to go over here, and they're looking up at the moon, and then it it almost forces you to look at yourself differently and say, oh, well, maybe I'm selling myself short, or maybe I'm looking at this. Um, I'm 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 being a little too modest in 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 the possibilities, and I and I think that, and and that and I think so. I think you can you can go overboard, mm -hmm. right? Where you're you're too pie in the sky. You're too well. If I'm not, uh, you know, a twenty million dollar a lister, then I might as well kill myself or something, right? Or whatever. You know, if I don't, if I if if, you, if, if you're gonna kill yourself, call a hotline. Well, uh, well, I'm just saying, but 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 I think there <laughs> is help. But I think there is unrealistic expectations based on just being able to analyze your own talent and, and, and potential or I think go overboard, but there's also, I think people who sell themselves short and think a little too small and aren't, and are not willing to take enough risks. I, I do want to go back to the bit of you and your brief stint and considering to be a manager. First and foremost, you would be an amazing manager. Um, I think, you know, you, you've had experience. And really, to me, that's what makes any of us good managers. I came into management with a certain amount of experience as a tour manager, and I've gained so much more in all other facets. What makes me, frankly, in my mind, I don't wanna say better, but I think in, in some ways, I just, I can offer more to artists because I'm experienced. Can I, can I say the main, the main reason why I stopped managing was because I'm so focused on the artistic side of yep. it, I think it was a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. And if you're, let's say I'm on the phone with some agent or some manager, and I'm trying to do something for a band to represent, and I'm thinking, man, may I get my band on this tour? Right. Then you're you shouldn't be a manager. Right. And I, and so that was basically. Yeah, I where, where I, 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 I would have to be done. As no, an I understand artist. that, and and I guess. Uh, the specific component of it aside, I'm trying to give you a compliment here, Doc. Um, Come on, keep it coming. All right, keep it exactly. Coming. Fill up that ego. But I will say, you know, and I appreciate one of the things I love about Blasco is he does. He dishes it straight, you know. And what I would say is, you know, 
the way I've always approached management is what is the artist's goal? And the artist might not know their goal. Yeah. They might think they know their goal. And part of my job, I'm almost like a life coach. Like, let's figure out what your goal is. You know, is your goal to be happy? Is your goal to make money? What's the timeline on it? You name it. I do think in art, art, art in and of itself has a place, right? There's, there are successful bands that are making incredible art. Yeah, I think sometimes it's counterintuitive. You, If you think too much about making money, then you make bad art, and then there is no audience. Whereas sometimes if you just don't think about that stuff. This, this, you know, it's kind of a, an old conversation I had with Tim Bohr, mm -hmm. you know, that he would tell me, he was almost, almost him trying to give me advice, yeah. basically saying that I need to stop scheming about, all right, I, we, we can do this and configure this and just kind of almost, I'm overthinking it yep. and just be, well, I'll say, you know, be I'll in say, the moment. I'll say two things. First and foremost, for those of you out there listening, Blasco has another podcast called A New Level. He does an, yes, he does an interview with Tim Bohr, I listen all, one of all his 10, and it's fantastic. Tim so, Bohr, by the way, is a booking agent. Yeah, uh, one of the best in the biz, one of my favorite people. Works with Killswitch, Lamb of God. You know, he, he figured a lot of this stuff out because he comes from the same world. He comes from the punk and hardcore world, but figured out who to invest well, in. Well, he really, the thing about Tim is he really respected the first album we did with Central Media. Yeah. And he thought it came from a really pure place. Yeah. And even though our we had records subsequently do better, yeah. he always was kind of, and you'll see that with him, is, you know, there's not, I'd say Josh, his, you know. Uh, yeah, Josh Klein. Who came up under him, who also had some really huge bands like. Bring Me the Horizon. Exactly, and Trivium. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're kind of rare, I've noticed in terms of booking agents, in that they will, they do really care about that ethic and that kind of that X factor artistically. Yep. And, um, but anyway, but it's something I always stuck with me because that's the thing about me. I think I'm actually very good at taking uh, constructive criticism yep. because I'm fairly intuitive. And, and you, we have someone who's very smart and accomplished and you respect, and they say something that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little wisdom and you're not, you're not going to figure it out overnight it's yeah. like it's almost like they tell you something and you'll think about that for two or three years right and be like oh and then you because it you're already that person so you have to grow into the into that wisdom and and see how it applies in your life yeah and i mean i think going back to the point of you know continuing on with that point with tim it's like yeah a lot of artists i find do they want to they want to think that this is a logical business and if they can figure out the logical component of it and reason through it's it and strategize then that'll work and you know the there there is a 10 to 20% amount that only those of us that wake up every day and eat and drink and sleep the behind the scenes component of this business get that no one else can get you only get it by being active in those conversations all day long. This, you know, you see a lineup and you think it came together because it made sense, right? That's the perfect lineup. Somebody wheeled and dealed and did this and somebody's record came out and somebody else had a radio campaign and somebody was managed by somebody else. There's a lot of stuff that you just, even, it, even though it looks very logical and it may have come about from a logical place, there was still an X factor, a reasoning factor in almost 90% of the cases that, that ends you up there. And I think to go back to what Tim, and I, I don't, you know, I didn't have that conversation with you. I don't know the exact thing, but I will say, you know, and, and I can continue to talk about Ice Nine Kills and we can talk about this because it's positive. Spencer, the singer is, he has a vision. 
mm-hmm. right? And he's had that vision. I don't know if he's had the exact same vision in the six years I've worked with him. It has obviously probably been honed a little bit, right? Maybe it was very broad and it's continued to dial in, but by being laser focused on the, that art, right? And also being talented and then uh, uh, trusting in his team to create the opportunities, which he's incredibly involved in and the other members of the band are too. I think that's what Tim was sort of probably trying to tell you. I was like, yo doc, you guys are a good band. Focus on being a band, right? And let the, you know, don't, don't disregard what's going on on the business side, but kind of let that stuff come about the way it's gonna come well, about. Well, I think what he was talking about was letting it infect the actual art itself right. and, and the creation in yeah. that, in that you know, in those in that thought process though comes out of desperation. Yeah, it, it comes out of I'm here and I'm not satisfied, and those people over there are up here, and I want what they have. So I'm going. You know, you yeah. you you go into and yeah. me the way I work is 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 the way my mind works is I try and figure out how systems operate, and I'm like, what's going on? So why is this? And then and then you take that kind of analytical mind, and it. Um, and it can just dis- disrupt you. And so I think it was less about right. um, that focus and actually getting out of the mind space of being desperate. And that's and so and that and that took several years to say, all right, this is why am I? Why do I need this? Why do I do I need this? You know what 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 do I really want out of life? And so it took several years. You know, by the time the last God forbid record came, it was well, I'm not. We're not doing this out of desperation i'm doing this because i want to do it i want to write write good songs and not being so invested in results and focusing on process because the thing is results it's not that results don't matter but if you're only focused on that and you take no joy in the process then those results you know you you only have so much control you know Uh, yeah i mean one of my favorite conversations that i ever have had with mike schleibaum and i mean you got to know this is like one of my dearest friends been you know we've been through thick and thin he was in my wedding he's just a gem of a human you know from darkest hour at one point you know we were sort of talking about like is this worth it like you know i mean and he just said i love playing i love getting on stage and playing and that was the part i couldn't relate to because it had been so long since I've been on a stage, right? That's not my drive. I don't really care. I mean, if you got me back on stage, I think it'd be kind of cool and sort of fun, but that's not something that I love. I don't, I love to teach. I love to educate, right? And so people can look at me and say, well, why do you do X, Y, and Z? It isn't making you money or whatever it may be. It's not sustainable. And I just say, but I love that part of it. And so I think, again, that comes back to like, yeah, what do you want to do? What is your goal? If your goal is to make money, it might be at odds with some other component of, you know, your artistic integrity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I definitely learned that I had this, I had this, I guess, four or five year period where I was really not invested in results and I was all about process. But then I had, you know, some experiences where some results didn't go the way I, I, I wanted them to um, with, with my other project. And I was like, you know what? Results do kind of matter for where I'm at now. Right. And I'm comfortable saying that and being openly honest because it's going, because it's it's like this thing of not being honest with yourself. If you lie to yourself, say, I don't really care. And it, and, it, and in fact, it's burning you up inside. Right. Um, 
you know, it's just, and, and I, for me, it was just understanding it was an evolution, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, I had to go through this period where I had to unlearn kind of this desperation, you know, and then apply it in a way where it's, no, no, this, the, the, I kind of need, if I'm going to put in X, I need Y out. Yeah. So it's, so it's about input out, output and understanding that you have limited time, limited energy, um, you know, like I said, none of us are getting any, any, any younger. And then the older you get, you get more responsibility. You get so that your time becomes even even more precious. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to work really hard on something and put my heart into it, I need it to have X amount of yeah. um, eyeballs on it, uh, you know, um, an audience and all, and all that. And that goes back to the tree falling in a forest and that kind of philosophical question. Um, but I think that's relevant. And as long as you're... You have to be okay with kind of anything, because thing is, it's it can't be. I'm definitely not that person who's gonna do something and like, and it doesn't. It's not a hit or whatever, and then be like, well, I'll just wasted my time. No, that's. I think that's the worst right. mentality is to think that no, every you everything, every failure or, I wouldn't even say failure. Everything that's doesn't meet your expectations or is underwhelming has incredible lessons there for you. You Absolutely. know, because and it, and it and it gives you information about. What you want to do because thing is if it happens and it's at that level and you're fine with it then that's also information it's all you know you have to i basically learned yeah over the past couple of years to interpret my my emotions better and realize that you can't instead of being this like robot who shoves it down that no no your emotions are there to inform you yep. about where you need to be going in your direction must be one of the reasons i like you so much i think you got a pretty good grasp on all that stuff well i took I, that was i found that was therapy like that, yeah. that that helped me with that it was like hey these you do have emotions and they're they're valid and it's you know it's they're not always right not every emotion that you shouldn't be led around like a yeah i mean i, I think the, the most empowering thing to me and i've known it for a long time but i'm really trying to put it into practice is what can i control right and focus on those things doesn't mean you know it's just i if i walk in here and I say something to you and you take it a certain way. If I intended it in a different way, I mean, we can talk it out, but like, I can't control how you're going to react to anything. Yeah. I can only control the things that I'm saying or the things that I, yeah, can control. Yeah. That's, I think that's, um, those interpersonal stuff is, is very, is very, is very difficult. And then when you, <laughs> if you ever been in, 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 in couples therapy, like, like, like I have a lot of that, that back and forth is like, you make me feel X by doing this, right? right? That's a lot of that um, conversation. And then you have to figure out what was it. So what, and this is no, this because you have some people, right? Who are very, they're poor communicators, mm -hmm. right? So they don't realize when they talk in this way or use this language or address someone in a dismissive, you know, and how, and that certain people are, um, you know, have a certain level of sensitivity. Like me, I notice my personality is I'm very straightforward. Yeah. And I'm very, I don't really like to, um, you know, I guess soften the blow. I was like, this is what's going on. And right. a lot of people like me, I have thick skin. Like I said, I can yep. take it, but a lot of people can't, they need right. to kind of, you need to kind of cut, you know, color it up for them. And that's, and sometimes I'm, I still, my instincts like, yeah, but they should just, you know, realize I'm trying to help them. I'm not, I'm trying to be honest. And unfortunately everyone doesn't, uh, <laughs> You know, it's not built that way. So it's it's a tough thing, you know? And because people are like, man, that thing you said, and I'm like, and it's like I said, it's never me being, wanting to hurt someone. Right. Right? It's just, 
that's my instincts. You know? No, I think there's a power in that, you know, in, in being direct. But you are correct. I mean, look, I think there's a lot of us that have learned behaviors. And it's interesting, just as we talk about moving in the music industry, I'm sort of sensing this shift of, yeah, how people do communicate with one another. And maybe it's just because that's where I am in my life. I've been to plenty of couples therapy, you know, deal with plenty of personal things. And it's really uh, an ownership of who I am and that if I can, just as you said, I mean, if I can be honest, honest with myself, right, that sets the tone for everything else. And the, the real nuance is when you think you're being honest with yourself, but you don't realize that maybe you're not being you're not right. Well, that's the, that's the depths of the subconscious. You know, yeah. there's you know, there's only that idea of know thyself has its limitations. We can we all have blind spots. Yeah. Everyone, no one, no one is has complete. You know the, you know if if life was a mirror, you know to cer- certain extent our our level of objectivity is limited and it's, you know we're all looking through some version of a funhouse mirror of ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We'll never get. The one hundred percent, because that's to get that you literally have to like do some DMT and kind of or some something and go and see. Because the thing is, you just our subconscious is built to protect right. the ego from certain knowledge and certain things about ourselves. Because some things can be, you know, we've repressed issues and you know. So there's, you know, that can be a rabbit hole that can get a little a little dicey. You know, um, what was I gonna say? It's uh, it's almost seven. I don't know what you what you what, what you want to do. Tell me. <laughs> He's like, man, the therapy. I'm like, nah. I mean, I think we, you know, whatever. End it there. We can switch it up. Talk about something different, like what's going on in people's lives. Like, what, you know, you're a sports guy. Excited about some sports. LeBron sports. is here. <laughs> you know how you feel about LeBron in L.A. We don't have to. You know. Are you are you interviewing me now? So what's up with LeBron in I L.A.? I mean, I'm just saying we can, we can wrap it right there. Um, I think it's a good episode. All right. Well, uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Right on. So this this has been, a, I'd say, a very non-traditional X-Men show. Uh, we didn't go down a lot of the normal paths. But I'm starting to like breaking the uh, the format a little bit. You know, it, the, the show, in a sense, I guess, is becoming more tangential. And I think I think that's okay because, I, I you know, I'd hate for this to become too predictable and and have kind of conversations that feel it's hard for me to read right like of course well i just mean in terms of whether it's a good episode or a bad episode or something different like you know we're talking about things that are very personal to me and i'm always excited to talk about not me personally but the things that are going on in my life yeah right so you know i don't i'd be curious hint hint everybody out there you know what did they think of this episode i mean i i you know when you asked me i was honored because i like talking to you i like the podcast so you know two great tastes that taste great together um but yeah i i don't you know i've i've think on the other podcasts i've done i've done jostas of course and some of the others i'm you know i walk out of them feeling like did I do a good job? Like, was that actually <laughs> impactful to the people, to your audience in particular? Well, here's what I say: right? when Doc calls the guests on your show, you're you're very lucky. All right, he's doing he's 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 carrying he's carrying it for you. You know, <laughs> as the host, you know, the job is on me. Like, I mean, I, I don't think that it's right. almost like there's no such thing as a bad teacher or a bad student. I mean, I don't think there's bad guests. I think there's only bad hosts. It's it's the you know the host's job to 
to guide the conversation and um, kind of get out of it what they feel they they need to, you know. But um, I feel like, sir, you know, because like I said, you've been out there a bunch. I didn't want to like. All right, we have to do the career structure and right. what this. I, I didn't think it was really relevant. No, I'm, I mean I like this. You know, it it cements a time and a place in our lives. You know. And it's a cool conversation. I think it'll be fun. Hopefully five years from now, you know, we're sitting sitting on the moon or wherever it is that Doc Coyle has taken us to with his, you know, fame and fortune. Not Some only, people don't think we went to the moon. Not well, exactly. Which I don't listen, is is going to the moon that impressive? Here you, you know what my theory is? Going to the moon's impressive to me, but that's because I can barely get from no, one side like, of the country to the other anymore. No, but why is it in, like we have satellites we talk about satellites yeah. there's satellites up there so we got satellites up there we're going to space spacex exists and they're planning on going places they're going to the they're sending rovers to mars and, and saturn and what whatever so it, it's it's not that far away i just don't here's my theory i think they went to the moon but the footage is faked really because well it's like what kind of camera equipment is that the main thing they they, what, they, they didn't have iphones <laughs> So they went, but it's like, yo, this footage is garbage. We like it. It fell over. The screen cracked. We just got this f- dude's foot, <laughs> or, when, or they got it back. It's all grainy and dark. They it's ain't a no pretty lights. interesting present uh, premise for uh, you know some sort of. Well, movie. it's like well, it's the idea that OJ they framed a guilty man. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh he, well, naturally he was guilty, but they had to fat because they wanted to make it a slam dunk oh dude. they fabricated evidence to frame someone who was guilty so so that's quick what, aside my my so i sat on a jury in washington dc about 10 maybe 12 years ago right and of course i was trying to avoid jury duty because everybody tells you it's terrible or at least everybody told me it was terrible and i was running my own business i was afraid you know it was going to take up too much time nevertheless finally got a notice that was like yo bro if you don't show up you're going to jail I was like, okay, you got my attention. I'll go down, I'll get dismissed. Turns out I sat and ended up being the jury foreman on a cold case murder from the 90s, right? DC. It's like it's like your own making murder murderer. capital, right? What was so fascinating was this dude was absolutely guilty of a lot of things. Right. He wasn't guilty of this. He was not guilty of this murder. And this and the They were just the, using someone who like the, the way that it was presented to us and then the way that the different members of the jury interpreted it because and it was just it was so fascinating just, you know, yeah, they tried to get in these things of this dude's guilty of this. What about the time he did this? And you know, then the defense which was great objected and you know, the challenge is, you know, I sat there and said, okay, well, they objected to that, so that means I can't consider it. So inevitably, the guy was not guilty, but it was a fascinating thing. So I I, I, I appreciate what you're saying about OJ being guilty, right? And then they had to frame a guilty man. Yeah, but I still would have, you know, but that was... I almost held OJ's golf clubs today. What do you mean? They were on sale or... Nope, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. There's an ESP guitar with OJ on it that's for sale for like six grand or something. That's pretty hilarious. If I if I had that guitar, that's I, what I, happens in LA. You come this close, and I'm making a very small finger. If it, you know, you watch my socials. I bet you'll see me with the OJ golf club sooner than later. Okay, for well, better so, or for worse. Well, as long as you don't kill anyone with the clubs, <laughs> no. I think you're I think you're 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 good. So um, so kids, 
Don't be like OJ. <laughs> be Dak. like Mike Murray. Mike. And Dak Oil. Thank you for the, the this is like the, this should be like a, a name for this, like the, the tangential pod. Yeah, I like you it. Know, that, that'll be, and the thing is, I, I think most shitty podcasts, that's probably what makes them bad. Right. It's just a bunch of people like yes. talking about it's nothing. Inside stories. Um, so, we gave some insight, I think. No, I think, listen, I think it'll be, be fun. I just, personally. You want to re-record it? No. I, I like to do, I, I like being experimental. Right. You know, and fucking around. Like, I'll just do things, especially my monologues and stuff. I'll just, yeah. you know, just how, how I'm feeling. And then it'll be kind of goofy and whatever. And I'm like, yo, that's just how it is. It's, it's fucking, because like I said, for, for me, this is creative right. as well. So I like it. And hopefully the people like it. So anyway, I'm going to stop running my mouth. You good? I'm great, man. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You can find me on my socials at Michael Loop, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you know, check out outerloop.group is the website for all things Outer Loop management, uh, records and coaching. And then, of course, jabberjawmedia.com for the X-Man podcast, as well as Managemental and all of the other ones that we have. Love you, bro. Thanks, bro. Bye.
that track was entitled A Grave Mistake, and it comes from the band that Mike manages, Ice Nine Kills, from their new record, which just came out, called The Silver Scream. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hope you enjoyed the song. I always thank you guys for joining me. Um, I apologize, you know, for, you know, since the band's gotten really busy, not being as cons- consistent. I was doing a show a week, and now it's kind of every 10 days-ish, something ar- around there. And... um you know, it's just, it is what it is, baby. Rock and roll calls, man. They got me out here slaving away playing guitar riffs. I tell you, the man, that's what the man does. He gets you. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the, the podcast is actually back on Spotify, if that's one way you choose to listen to the show. the We, we switched over companies and it was off spotify so the old episodes are there but not the new ones now they're all up there so you know crossing my fingers about keeping that together so that's i think pretty awesome because because a lot of people ask about spotify i also started uploading episodes to youtube but i only put when i say episodes i put one episode up so i have to (laughs) i have to put more of those up so hopefully people can check it out on there as well so and that's on my personal page is the dot coil youtube page but anyway, I'm not going to belabor you guys. I got really nothing else going on. The uh, They're about to kick me out of my room where I have to check out. And uh, I got a show to rock tonight in Tilburg, Netherlands. So, hey, everybody, I love you. And Mamba, out. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.